This is First You Hustle, a podcast from the Columbus College of Art and Design meant to help students and budding creative professionals put their expertise to use. We've talked about networking, but what about job fairs? At a networking event, you don't actually know who is hiring, but at a job fair, you do know who is hiring, and that makes things a whole lot different. We'll talk about job fair etiquette from what to wear, how to work the room, what to say to employers, and how you can prepare what to say before you even arrive. I say we because I've got a little help from some friends. What is that statistic? It's like that recruiters or hiring managers look at a resume for like 0.2 seconds or something, like Like something insane. And not to play favorites, but one piece of advice seemed to stick out a little bit more than the others. Go to career services and see Jordan and Tiffany because they're awesome. They have so many resources available to you. They really are looking out for you to make sure that you can connect with employers in a meaningful way. We'll also review a summer internship in video production. My name is Samuel Koh. I'm a film and video major. I am sophomore, turning into a junior this fall. And I intern at this company called Up Periscope Creative. And it's all coming up next on First You Hustle. Hi everyone, I'm Jordan Bell. Thanks for tuning in. In this day and age, job searching tends to exist almost exclusively online. You find a job online, you submit your application online. That means there is a large emphasis and scrutiny on what you submit. Your digital first impression with an employer, so to speak. It's all about your word choice, grammar, how quickly the person receiving your application can understand exactly what you can do for them. I'm sure you've thought before, if I could just talk to someone who works there, I'm sure they'd want to hire me. That might be true. Luckily, there's still a way you can learn about a job and talk to an actual human before you hit the submit button. It's called a job fair. And you might see these held publicly in cities or maybe as part of a conference that you're attending for a specific industry. Or as a college student, you're likely to find at least one on campus. And for CCAD, our job fair is actually this Friday, November 9th, for currently enrolled students. How can you make the most of your experience at one of these fairs? That is exactly what I'll be talking about today with you, with a little help from some experienced recruiters and human resource professionals. Recently, on campus, there was an HR panel, and we attempted to record the audio for it. Much of that audio did not record properly, so we only have a couple sound bites. I'll fill in the rest on my own, but I'll take you soup to nuts on the job fair experience. And fun fact, soup to nuts is an expression because formally, a meal begins with soup and ends with nuts with all the other courses coming in between. So if you don't learn anything else today, You've learned that. All right, let's start with before the job fair. Before anything even begins, see if there's a list of companies that will be present. Review the websites for these companies and see if they have any active openings. Through your research, make a note of needs, qualifications, and desired skills. This will help you be informed on how to update your resume and portfolio, which is actually step number two. You want to revisit your resume and portfolio website and make sure both are up to date and tailored to the types of positions you're interested in. This way, you can come to the fair with the most up to date materials that you know will support you as a job candidate and not contradict you. What will be your selling points to employers? Research is a very important part of sales. This is why when you walk into a car dealership, The salesperson asks you lots of questions. They want to know what brings you in. What are you looking for? If you don't know what you're looking for, they'll ask you about some of your needs. Do you commute to work? Do you take road trips? They take this information to process what their best angle will be, what they show you and how they talk about it and so forth. 
All of this is to get you into a position of feeling like your needs are being met and therefore you make a purchase. In this case, you are the salesperson. At the fair, you can ask questions to get some information, but unlike the car dealership, you can actually know who your potential customers are before you even talk to them in person. This is through the research you'll do online. You can use their company website, glassdoor.com, LinkedIn, lots of resources are at your disposal before you even go to the fair. So try to use that to paint a mental picture of what each company's needs are. What type of people do they hire? What do they do? Who do they do it for if they work with clients? Then you can frame your qualifications and work personality in a way that matches to their needs. Job searching is all about connecting your abilities to the specific needs of a company. And we talked about this a little in our previous episode called Rhetoric and Retail, where your rhetoric frames yourself in a favorable, memorable way. You can do this a little in the moment as you talk to them, but think about how your research will affect your resume. Having a resume and to some extent a portfolio that also supports what you say in person is the best way to create a very strong impression with the recruiter. For your resume, you could tailor different resumes to different companies as needed. As long as you're still being truthful to your qualifications and experiences, there's a strong likelihood that you're qualified to do many different jobs. So if you tailor resume number one for a specific set of skills and resume number two to a different set of skills, both resumes are valid and both resumes match well to their respective employers. It's harder to do this with a portfolio website, but you'll want to make sure that you're, you can quickly access your portfolio items digitally or physically to bring up supporting examples of work that you've completed as necessary. But I would say like a good word to the wise is like just break up your portfolio in a way that employers can say okay she's got some ux here some ui and you know some illustration and that way um it's a bummer but like i think a lot of potential employers will look at your portfolio resume whatever what is that statistic it's like that recruiters or hiring managers look at a resume for like 0.2 seconds or something like Like something insane Um, and that's terrible, and I'm sorry uh, for on behalf of all recruiters and hiring managers. But um, but if you make it like nice and clean and clear about like what you can what your skills are, then the likelihood of them understanding is that much more. Same with your resume. Like if you've got like a whole ton of stuff to look at, a lot of employers are like, uh, I don't have time for this anyway. So point of the story is like segment your portfolio in a way that it's clear. Also, think about how you'll introduce yourself at the fair. This is commonly called an elevator pitch or 30-second commercial, but in my mind, it is more realistically just pre-planning the first minute or two of conversation. Rarely will you actually recite your elevator pitch verbatim and fully, but throughout the first couple minutes of conversation, some things are bound to come up and you'll want to be prepared for how you respond to them. Mainly, who are you? What are you currently doing? How did you get into doing that? What would you like to do in the future? What are your key areas of strength and experience? Even more succinctly, this is essentially who you are, what you can do, and then covering past, present, and future. You might not say it all at once, but if you introduce yourself this way, for example, I'm Jordan Bell, a hopscotch major at Columbus College of Art and Design. The other person might say, hi, Jordan, I'm Joey Bag of Donuts at Design Company. What made you be a hopscotch major? And with that question, you are now led into an open response where you can talk about what got you interested in your major, what you're doing with it now, and then offer up what you hope to do with it later down the road. Or maybe they ask, hopscotch major, what do you hope to do with that? 
And then you respond with your key areas of strength and experiences, but could also back that response into why you chose the major in the first place. In both cases, you are sharing information you've already processed and thought about, making it easier to rattle off in the moment. This is a much better approach than trying to figure it out in the moment and getting dumbfounded with a relatively simple question, which happens more often than you think, especially when you're nervous. Your interaction at the fair will be somewhat like an interview, so know your resume like the back of your hand. Be able to answer questions about your resume, line for line, be able to defend and elaborate on each part of your resume. But for job fairs, for students at least, it can also be a great learning environment. So I think um, interviewing is a skill and it's something that you get better at the more that you do it and the more that you converse with people. So I would encourage you, especially um, in your first couple of interviews, whether it's a job that you take and they like you and they they want you to come on board or someone who, um, you know, they're going in a different direction. I think soliciting feedback from the recruiters is so helpful. It's meant to be constructive. So all the recruiters that you're working with, I mean, they're talking to you for a reason. Um, so of course they want to help you. Um, and if they're able to give you information about yourself, about how you showed up or the things you talked about, just makes you more polished. So if you're taking it in a constructive way and uh, really able to make you a better interviewer, make you more um, polished or professional um, or thoughtful about going into your next interview, I think that feedback is so helpful. So I hope that um, you take that feedback as um, welcomed and uh, constructive and not personal. Um, again, recruiters really want to help you get better so that you can land the job that you want to be in. Okay, so the pre-planning for the job fair is nearly done. Now, what about the actual stuff you do at the job fair? Well, first, make sure you dress for success. For creative positions, this does not mean finding the power business suit or dusting off the pantsuit. Reflect the industry you will be entering and then maybe dial it up one notch more businessy. Many creative studios will be very casual and you do not want to be super casual yourself, but you also do not want to look too formal or too corporate. Find the balance by researching the companies and the people that work there. And this is a really good reason to check out LinkedIn before the fair because you can actually see people. A smart business casual approach will work for most companies. If you get the sense that one company is a little more businessy or corporate than others, maybe by the nature of the work they do or the clients that they work with, dress appropriately to the most formal company on your list. It's always better to be a little too dressed up and then relax it later than to start too relaxed and informal and try to dial it up afterwards. I compare it to dinner with friends. If you show up to dinner in evening wear, ready for the opera, and everyone else is in shorts and t-shirts, you'll feel a little out of place. But if you show up in shorts and a t-shirt and everyone else is in evening attire, you know, tuxedos, evening gowns, you will feel way worse. Okay, once you're dressed, step two, arrive and prepare. Arrive on time at the beginning of the job fair. Arriving late might mean you miss employers or are facing long lines to talk to employers. If you arrive a little early, you can get your name tag and start reviewing the event map. Physically plan on where you'll find the employers you are seeking. Which brings me to step three, attend. While attending, remain positive and energetic. Studying the map helps for this part two. You can confidently find employers rather than looking lost. When you meet someone, shake hands, look them in the eye, and introduce yourself confidently. Plan on leading the conversation. Be prepared to keep the conversation going after the introduction. In many cases, the employer might jump in with the lead, and this is okay. Take their lead and follow along. But if they for some reason don't, 
I mean, I guess recruiters can be shy too, although rarely, keep the conversation going on your own. So always be prepared with what's next. What's that next thing I'm going to say or what's a stock question that I'm going to ask to get the conversation going? This is where your elevator pitch exercise comes into play. Since you know what you want to say already, you have something to talk about. But questions are also great kindling to conversation, so have a few questions in mind, and that will always keep things going. Gather information from employers by collecting handouts on open positions or company overview. Always ask for business cards. Plan to leave it behind a copy of your resume, and know that they might refuse it, You know, asking you to submit it digitally or by email. And many will take your resume right there. But if they do refuse it, don't take it as a bad sign. That's just one way that they choose to organize it. Because I've heard from employers, I don't want to take that because I might lose it or I'll get lost in the shuffle. Email it to me and then I can have it along with everybody else. So definitely submit your resume the way they prefer, but do have a physical copy in case they are taking it in the moment. Have your portfolio in an accessible and easy to show format. This could mean physically printing it, But these days, most candidates choose to show their portfolio digitally. It is often in higher resolution and you can zoom and it's just a little more intuitive. But think about what will you show it on? Laptop or tablet? That sounds great. Mobile phone? Maybe not desirable. The screen is still a little too small. How is it loaded? Is it locally stored as a PDF? That's great. You know it'll be there. But if you need Wi-Fi, you might have connection issues, so it's best to avoid. You definitely don't want to be that person who is waiting in line to talk to someone and then you step up there and your portfolio isn't loaded or you need to log in or the Wi-Fi went down and now you have this moment to talk to someone and there's a technical issue. People can have empathy for that, but it's not really going to help them form a good impression about you and there's just no way around that. So be prepared, have it ready to go. And then take notes. After you meet someone, write down some notes on who they were and what you talked about. This will help you with your follow-up and will keep you from mixing people together in your head. Business cards are a good place to keep notes, so make sure you bring a pen, and if you collect business cards, you'll have a place to keep those notes. Work the room fully. Plan on prioritizing your most desired employers first, and then work around to the second tier, and so forth, until you've run out of time, energy, or available employers. There's no magic number of employers to target, but by prioritizing, you can at least know you didn't miss someone you really, really wanted to talk to. After the fair, plan on following up with everyone you had a significant interaction with and hope to talk to again. This could be a courteous thank you note that simply says you enjoy the interaction with a small reminder about who you are. Not every email you send needs to have a request. You could thank them, state a little bit about who you are, and that you plan to apply to a position that they have posted. In any case, a thank you note establishes a digital footprint. You now have an interaction to jump off of if you do need something later down the road. If you meet someone in early November and follow up right away and then restart the conversation in February, maybe they were at the fair in November for a full-time job and said, why don't you email me in February about internships? They will then have a digital record that you met at the career fair in November. So they get that email in their inbox and they think, who is this? And maybe they search through their inbox or they see that you reply to your thank you note from November And now they see, oh, this isn't a new person. They may still be an unfamiliar person, but they are no longer new. I have met this person before. And that's good. People are more likely to respond faster to people that they've had interactions with before. In a nutshell, that's the career fair experience. What we didn't cover, but is covered in previous episodes, is all the specifics about really matching your skills to the 
employer's needs and things about pitching yourself. How do you make a good pitch to employers? That's where the bulk of your efforts should be focused. So highly encourage you to go back through our list of episodes and listen in on some great conversations with alumni and employers on how to do that. Hone in on the quote product, end quote, of who you are and what you can do. Like a good salesperson, be prepared to connect that to the employer's needs. As someone who used to produce television, I've always been a fan of pre-production. If we can get it done in pre-production and minimize the amount of surprises during the shoot, we'll be in good hands. Similarly, if you prepare thoroughly ahead of time, the fair itself will be an easy-to-execute event where you just apply everything you've prepared. It is kind of like baking. The actual baking in the oven part is easy. It's all the mixture of ingredients beforehand that really matters. And with that, I think I need a cupcake now. Hey, speaking of video production, I kind of mentioned it there at the end of the last segment. I recently spoke to Samuel Coe, a junior film and video major here at CCAD about his recent internship with Up Periscope and what he learned working for a small but far-reaching production house. Here's our conversation. My name is Samuel Coe. Sorry, I'm a film and video major. I am sophomore turning into a junior this fall and I intern at this company called Up Periscope Creative. In summary, uh, for the company, it is um, it is a company in Columbus. Uh, it's headquartered here, which means it actually has branches in other states in the U.S. We describe ourselves as like a full-service video production company. And what it is that that means and what it is that we do exactly is that we, well, we make videos. And these videos are supposed to like reach target audiences very, very specifically. As opposed to being really like a video production studio type thing, we are more like an advertising agency or another way we would have described ourselves is a digital creative agency. Basically, we offer like video services that encompass all parts of production from pre to post. What we specialize in would be concept development, which will happen in pre, live action video, obviously, and um strategic media deployment. Now that sounds fancy, but basically what it means is that we're very deliberate in how we make our videos. What type of clients are coming in and what are what's the most typical kind of video need? So like YouTube ads or like what? So the clients that we get range from local and regional emerging brands to um, established, corp- uh, established corporations from uh, global Fortune 1000. And what exactly we do for them most of the time would be commercials or ads. It can be anything from Instagram or it's for their Facebook or I'm not particularly sure if we've have any uh, we've had any clients put it up on YouTube as YouTube ads. But um, yeah, it's just mainly for their own promotion. So this is basically filmmaking, but more specifically, it's commercial filmmaking, which is, I think, is what best encapsulates what we do and uh, many similar companies like us that use filmmaking as the main basis for um, promotion. But what it is that we bring to the table, more importantly, is that we have a creative edge plus a corporate-centric focus. So it's basically a, like the best marriage of both worlds of creativity as well as you know, commercial interests and being business centric. In addition to making videos, we actually dedicate quite a bit of a portion of the company to doing campaign strategy, which is the why, what exactly we're talking about. Uh, My boss has referred to our company being like a thought partner. So we partner with our clients in 
in thinking. So it's um, making sure that the ideas are good. And basically, the I would say the pre-production and the why process behind video the video production is deeper and bigger than we give it credit for. It's a very integral part of the company. And, and what was your role as an intern? Let's dive into some of the things that you were doing. I am a video production intern, and that mainly involves two things. Uh, PA work, so like production, production assistant on set for shoots and more importantly and a bigger part of my job would be editing cutting together footage a lot of the footage that happens on set ends up going to me and i have to put that together and then run them through multiple versions to get them to our client eventually as a pa what that basically means is you do a bunch of moving and heavy lifting and not really get your hands on the camera and do shooting but we are the ones that kind of make the whole setup faster and it gives more time for shooting and what that refers to i mean what that refers to again to put it more simply is i would have to move lights into the right place or maybe set up the the power lines to the lights or to the camera depending on the situation and when you were doing that cuz you've done video work where you are running the camera and you're kind of directing the show now having like PA'd for other people has that changed your perspective now if you were kind of like direct, if you're going to be on set and directing, how has your perspective changed based on the, the tasks that you had to do that weren't running the camera? Like you said, lighting and electric gripping and things like that. If a director's job is to make the talent perform really well and the camera, I mean, and the videographer's job is to make the shot look really nice, then a production assistant's job is to make everything go really fast. It's a very simple goal, I feel. So that, that really works for me and it's easy to achieve. Actually, the being a production system was secondary to my main role, which was editing. What other goals beyond your learning objectives did you accomplish? Well, I guess this is something that everybody does. So I think everybody looks out for the network they're making in anything that they do. So I have a network now, so to speak, with uh, my boss, who has a network to a whole bunch of other people. I have the wisdom that he has imparted from his experience. That's also helpful. He has a, he has a way in which he grew his company, he has a method of hustling. I think all that stuff that can be, is good to learn from, at least as as knowledge and advice, whether it, whether you can I mean, act the same way he could is a different question, but good to have something that points you in the right direction, at least. Quick hits, what are the three most significant things that you learned and why? Definitely communication skills, because I'm a, I'm a guy who errs on the side of being more straightforward than being tactful. I guess this taught me to be tactful and um, how to like control or try how to exercise as much control over an interaction and I guess etiquette, etiquette on set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And uh, did you have any conflicts with others at your internship site? Well, I guess sometimes effort that people put in is not worth the outcome because that happens in editing. Like that happens a lot, basically. I mean, movies itself are an example where they put in hundreds and thousands of hours of effort into maybe a movie that's hour and a half. So mm-hmm. everything is disproportionate, but that's that's like normal now. But yeah, I, I value efficiency. I don't really like putting in too much effort into something that's not really going to be noticed or appreciated. So I thought sometimes people were nitpicky, but um, how I kept going about it was just to be cordial and cordially expressing that I thought it was uh, an, an, an unnecessary effort in certain respects. Mm-hmm. And did you 
now looking back on that, do you feel like you were right? Or do you feel like, no, they were, they were right to kind of focus in on this detail because it did end up paying off in some way or I'm going to give it a percentage of who's right and who's wrong. I would say that I was right 60% of the time because normal people or lay people, if they're not like experts in film, probably wouldn't have seen it. But then again, they are my superiors. So they probably do things and operate at a higher standard, which I totally understand as well. That's Mm -hmm. where they are right as well. So in in the sense, we're both right and we both have valid points, but I'll do what they want me to do because higher standards and everything. And it could be you're both, you're both right. You just have different goals mm-hmm. like they like you said they have a higher standard mm-hmm. for their work than you maybe as a intern level mm. not quite as invested in it oh you know the efficiency argument right what were some differences between the work you did during the internship and work that you did for any class projects in my head i feel like work was really a lot more structured the schedule and the expectations outcomes all very precise and even for work as compared to school the deadlines were more flexible which isn't something you'd expect because everybody in school hops on how deadlines have to be strictly adhered to, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think maybe it's because the work that I'm working for is like a small to medium enterprise. That's why there's so much flexibility. Did you struggle with any projects or aspects of the internship? Okay, so like I said, how my work is very flexible. It's mainly because the the founder kind of commutes Okay, and it's headquartered in Columbus, but my founder kind of commutes between Columbus and Brooklyn. I think most of the time he's in Brooklyn, actually, so there's a lot of long-distance communication. But he still manages to get a whole bunch of projects settled and done despite this setup. So I think if it works as a company structure, then it works. But yeah, the whole long-distance thing, definitely a struggle in terms of like reaction time, response time, wanting to get something done immediately. None, that, that's not going to happen. You have to plan everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that's good because planning is better than, than taking somebody's um, availability for granted. And what would you do differently if you could do your internship again? I don't think that there's anything I can do because this is a structural issue. The fact that it's small, medium, and it's a commute, long distance, all mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so... Personally, I wouldn't do anything differently. How will this internship prepare you for future work? Well, I have something on my resume, so that's definitely helpful. Mm-hmm. I have experience in a small, medium enterprise company, and I have, I think I edit a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of hours editing, so I'm sure that must count for a better speed. Describe your working relationship with your supervisor. I mentioned this before, um, it can be pretty casual. But at the same time, there was that fine line that I talked about where it can't be too casual. So I think it's casual to a comfortable degree, but there's this unspoken rule that you still have to obviously treat him with respect and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think all in all, good relationship, nothing too strained, nothing of an issue. And yeah. uh, would you work for the company or organization as a full-time employee? I think I kind of know the answer to this one. but Yeah, at this point, it's a, it's a structural thing again. Mm-hmm. Really, I feel like <laughs> this company is is the founder. He is he's almost like a one man army, mm-hmm. except that a one man army with really good connections that he can always get freelance a freelance team together to get projects done. So I don't think that is full time employee openings. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're saying it might not be an option, but if yeah. if it were an option, would you consider it? Yeah, no. It seems like a good. It seems like a good deal. 
<laughs> you can yeah. like, go to Brook. You can do stuff in Brooklyn and mm-hmm. Columbus, and he has he has um he has hopes to grow in LA as well. So okay, okay. So in theory, you would work for a company like this, multiple locations, jumping around, doing commercial work like that. That would be yeah, yeah. cool. Doesn't seem like a bad time. Seems like a pretty pretty fun time. Well, so it sounds so. It sounds like overall you enjoyed your internship. Yeah, yeah. You had a good good experience. Mm-hmm. That's great. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your experience with us. Thank you. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to First You Hustle. Good luck out there for anyone attending career fairs, especially the CCAD one that we have coming up this Friday. And I know it's kind of getting a little bit into conference season. There's some big conferences in November. So if you're heading out to a conference, all this stuff we talked about still applies. A lot of people at conferences are hiring and taking resumes. So treat that like a job fair too. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Our theme song is Jimmy H. Boogaloo by the Juanitos, Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.